Well, happy 2022. Seems like one of those Jetsons years, doesn't it? I don't know what years those like, you know, would fast forward to, but uh, in a lot of ways, it seems like it, right? We never thought 2022 would, would be here or, or uh, maybe that we'd be here when it got here or something like that. It just seems so far in the future. But, uh, you know, as we enter a new year, it seems as though everyone is either vying for our attention, uh, whether they're seeking to uh, sell their best um, sort of prescription or advice for how to become a better version of ourselves, how to, how to improve yourself, how to grow, how to improve, how to, how to broaden your skill sets. You might have already considered some of those areas. You might have thought of some ways where you recognize that it would be good for you to grow in some areas, and that's okay, and that's all well and fine. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it can be quite good, right? We can learn a lot from Jonathan Edwards, an 18th century uh, American revivalist preacher. He was a philosopher. He was a theologian, uh, and he wrote his own uh, resolutions, and we're not going to read all of the resolutions this morning. There are uh, many of them, and in fact, there's a, a part of the uh, article, feature article I wrote for the bulletin this month uh, references this quote, and then there's a link where you can go online and, and find his resolutions. But it's it's all over the interweb, so you can you can find it if you just Google it, you'll find it. So, but here's what he says: it, It's important to to see what he recognized with his his godliness, his wisdom, and his humility that sort of jump off the page before he ever gets to starting his resolutions. He says, being sensible that I'm unwilling to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. Remember to read over these resolutions once a week. So he had a good, godly, Christ-centered goal and in his preface, he, he acknowledges his humanity, his inability to do the very things that he knows God is calling him to do of his own strength. And yet he's intentional to participate in the process, not the least of which is by writing many difficult resolutions, uh, but good and godly resolutions. But also very practically, remember to read this once a week. I need the reminder, right? He has confidence to ask God for grace, knowing that God is glad to give it to those who seek him. And he has a single-minded devotion to strive to pursue things that are according to God's will. And we need to be reminded of these commitments uh, on a regular basis, right? And so this is helpful for us as we strive, uh, as we strive to begin a new year with the right focus. Uh, it's easy to focus on 10 things to accomplish this year. And, and again, those are, those are uh, quite often quite good, good things to focus on. This month, we're going to be focusing on a series uh, entitled Holy His, as we strive to live with our church vision in mind, which is uh, to reach and teach and live out what it means to be wholehearted followers of Christ. Wholehearted is quite all-encompassing. And yet it is very much what the Lord calls us to, right? The, the, the Apostle Paul has direction for us in this pursuit as well. Uh, he, uh, he, he, he as, as helpful as Edward's resolutions are, and they are helpful. It would serve you well to go read them and identify several that you might apply as your own resolutions this year. 
No man's perspective, no human's perspective will help us like the perfect, all-encompassing word of God. And so let's ask the Lord's help and focus uh, as we enter into and see what the Lord has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this new day, this new year. Um, even as we listen and listen to this sermon and, and preach this sermon, we, we don't know if we'll reach the end of 2022 because we don't know what tomorrow holds for us. You are the God of this world and everything exists, and we are not. And we acknowledge that to you. We are totally and utterly dependent on you for absolutely everything. Even as we sit here this morning and think, our heart beats so that oxygen flows to our brain and our body functions the way it ought to. So there are aspects of our life where we, we intentionally acknowledge uh, that we need your help and we are totally dependent on you. And we sort of hold things with open hands, let go of things in a sense. And then there are many, many, many areas where we are very literally dependent on you and we have no idea how all-encompassing that is. And we're humbled by that, Lord. And so we ask that you would keep us humble. Will you help us this morning and, Lord, according to your will, every day that we face this year to live as people who are increasingly wholly yours. Uh, it's a journey we'll pursue as long as we're in those bodies and until you take us to glory. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I ask you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Um, you know, we put some scriptures on the screen, uh, but we preach this book. And uh, words have meaning in their context, in the words that surround them. And so uh, it's, we want to help you by putting some scriptures on the screen, but I want to ask you to open your Bible or your Bible app, whatever would serve you well this morning. So uh, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, focusing on verses 1 through 4. Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Brothers and sisters, treasuring Christ means living out our position in Christ by intentionally shifting our focus from things of this earth to things above, to Christ who fills us. So let's just think about our position first and foremost. You and I, those who name the name of Jesus for salvation, are raised with Christ. Now, notice he starts this. It's the middle of his letter. And so he starts with an if statement. It's a conditional statement, which begs the question, have you been raised with Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you seated in the heavenly places? And in asking it, he references what he said previously, just one chapter back, which is why it's, it's good to have it open. You just flip back and forth real easily. He says, therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. So he's, he's speaking to the Christian church. He's speaking to the, the church at Colossae. And any time you're talking to a group of people, you know that there may be uh, individuals within a group that may or may not be saved in this context. So he says, as you have received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and by empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and and not according to Christ. For in him, that is in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And it's good to begin thinking about this just after we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. In Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him, in Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses. Now just pause for a minute and think about treasuring Jesus. You who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, praise God, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Have you received Jesus Christ as your only hope in life and death? I look around and I see many, if not all, believers in Jesus here that I know and love. And I praise God for his work in your life. But are you actively, ongoingly trusting God's grace through Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Or do you at times find yourself wanting to to live a, a righteous, moral life so that God would look favorably upon you. Salvation, Christianity is not Jesus plus moral living for acceptance before God. It is faith plus works, but not for salvation. It's faith alone for salvation, followed by the works of the, well, the works that we carry out in the body that validate our claim to salvation in christ right and that's the spirit's work in you right so christ is seated at the right hand of god this idea of being at the right hand of god conveys strength it can it conveys uh sustenance it conveys uh throughout the old testament you see this in 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 exodus you see this in, in the psalms it's victory for god's people it's the strong right righteous good hand of the Lord. Psalm 17, 7, wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Psalm 139, 10, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Paul says in the previous chapter that in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now think about that because he goes on to say that you and I are filled in him. So think about this. All of the fullness of God dwells in Christ and Christ fills us. Do you know what that means? Every aspect of godliness that we need is given to us and and, and, uh, indwells us in Christ now through the power and working of the Holy Spirit. And we're made alive. We're no longer dead in our trespasses. Our debt's been canceled. That ought to cause us, even in the middle of this sermon, maybe to just stand up and praise the Lord right there. 
Because if, if, if you know your patterns, whether they're long-term patterns or, or uh, maybe just something you found yourself struggling with recently, you know you need forgiveness for sin. I do. In the time of celebrating the birth of Christ, I sin more times than I can count. We took vacation this week. We drove out to, to Maryland. So I had 14 hours worth of opportunities to sin on the road. People bump into us. We bump into people. People get on our nerves. We, all kinds of things. I'm not talking about my family, by the way. We had a great time with them. But we know how life goes. We wake up in the morning and we're tired and we go most of the day, maybe even all of the day or, or two or three, allowing ourselves to be carried along by the, the waves of busyness and things to do, many of which are good things, but the good things to do that keep us from being in the word. More importantly, being in the word so that we can fellowship with our father. When we think about sin, we often think about sins of commission, things that I do that I know are wrong, that I know I shouldn't do, that I need to repent of. But also think about the other category of sin, which is sin of omission. What has God called me to do that I am not doing? Whether knowingly and intentionally or unknowingly because I haven't developed my faith, my knowledge of Christian living that God has called me to. So there's a huge responsibility there. And I say all of that to say, it's all forgiven in Christ. It's all forgiven in Christ. And we live with the authority of Christ. When, Paul says that when Christ nailed these sins to the cross, he disarmed the power of the rulers and the authorities. That means no, no uh, uh, evil spirit of this world has any, any authority over your life. He has no authority to call you guilty, to, to, to shame you if you are in Christ. Praise God for that. Everything that the sons is ours and, and our being seated with Christ reflects our unity with Christ and the authority that comes with it. And this should, this should think, this should affect really how we think and how we live. Consider what Jesus told the disciples uh, in the end of Matthew 28. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's a tall order right there. And behold... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Christ tells them to go and make disciples of every nation. Why? On what authority? On the authority that's his. To give to the church and to give them a mission. Which is our mission to reach and teach and live out what it means to be wholehearted followers of Jesus, when the disciples, they, they, they ministered and they served others on behalf of Christ and the kingdom of heaven, Paul calls himself even an, an ambassador for Christ. He says in, in 520, therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we, we implore you. Doesn't mean we, uh, we say casual passing statements. There's a, there's a commitment, an energy and a passion that goes with evangelism 
that goes, which reaching, reaching others and discipleship, teaching others to observe all that I've commanded you. There's a passion there. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, right? As an ambassador goes, he goes wherever the one who sent him, wherever the the king or wherever the, the president sends him to go. And he relays the message he was given, doing his best to convey it accurately and in a way that communicates to the one with whom he's speaking or she is speaking. Secondly, we need to set our mind or our affections on things above, which is the beauty and the power of Christ. Paul says it two ways. He says a positive and a negative or things to do and something not to do. In verse one, he echoes Jesus when he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Note, he doesn't say, wait for the things that are seated above to fall into your lap. He he doesn't say, wait until somebody comes along your way and tells you what you need to do as a follower of Christ. He says, seek them, pursue it, put forward a spiritual sweat if you might. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And now in verse two, he heightens the focus on intentionality here, right? Seek the things that are above, uh, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. There's that, there's the, the what to do and what not to do. It's a, it's a two, uh, two sides of the same coin. You might say, right? Focus your minds on the things that are eternal. Now we come across those eternal things in the presence of People, temporal things, temporal individuals. And so what do we do? Well, we take the things that we recognize are temporal. That can be a person. It can be a facility. It can be a paycheck, a relationship. It can be a a mission for your life. It can be things that you have around your home. It's a great opportunity to, to say, you know what? It snowed today. Who might I serve in my neighborhood by blowing the snow out of their driveway. Just one, one of a myriad of examples, right? And then secondly, the other side of the coin is do not focus on things that are on the earth, the things that are temporal, which are not everlasting. You say, well, it's just snow. It's just a snowblower or a shovel or a plow. Well, the person you're serving has an eternal soul. And we have the opportunity to convey the love of Christ as the hands and feet of Christ to those individuals, right? We want to be meditating on Christ. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind, set your affection on things that are above. I'm going to read a lengthy passage here, and then I'll read the rest of it toward the end of the message here. But I want you to just see some of what Paul's already set up for us. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, whether in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We're getting ready to spend some time in Genesis. And we see Christ involved in creation. Christ as the preexistent one who we celebrate that God gave to us in the form of a child 
in human flesh, but who was not created when he was conceived, but he was given to us. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Just think about your family. Think about your home. Think about your car. Think about your relationships. Think about, think about anything. In fact, think about everything. In Christ, they hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, he might be preeminent. He might be first. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The writer to Hebrews says it this way. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. You might have heard the expression uh, that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. (laughs) I remember a friend I had in college that uh, was kind of like that. You know, I had a lot to learn from him. He was and is one of the most godly men I know. He would feel really awkward if, if he heard me say that. Because he knows and he would affirm strongly. In fact, he'd argue against me. Why? Well, because he knows his own sin. He knows his own struggles. But he helped me in a time. We memorized the Sermon on the Mount together. We uh, studied God's word together with a group of other friends. And today, in fact, he could have been the one up here praying, God, I am totally dependent on you. I need you. Because I get so off track, so self-focused. I'm in desperate need of you. To do anything good and godly. It's not about the godliness of a man or the godliness of a woman, but the faithfulness of God. And so we set our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. So how do we do this? Well, we develop a heavenly mindset, uh, a heavenly mindset by saturating our minds with God's perfect work and believing them in faith. We read it. we, We wrestle at times to maybe understand it. There are some really simple parts of this word of God. And there are some very complex aspects of this word of God that take work to understand. In fact, they take the community of faith to help understand well, to grow in this knowledge well. But all the way since the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Moses writes, right? These words I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as... Uh, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, there's a lot to delve into there. We're going to focus on the fact that it's intentional. God gave parents in the community of faith the vision and the call to, to know his commands, to know his word. These commands shall be on your heart today. And what? 
Well, you continue to learn them as you teach them to your children. Secondly, we have to develop a heavenly mindset by rejecting worldly pursuits and humanly philosophies. That's part of what Paul is addressing here as they're debating or trying to understand a sacrificial system, or I should say the ceremonial laws. Well, what do we eat? What do we don't? Washing of hands and all these sorts of things. And he's saying, don't focus on, on the rules of man that are contrary to the rules or, or, or the, the, the philosophy of Christ. So he says, focus not on earthly things, temporary pursuits, deceptive belief systems or deceptive promises. We see it all day on TV or on billboards or in the newspaper or on websites, deceptive worldly philosophies that will tell you this is how to, well, you just name it. And there's a contrary way to God's word for how to approach it, how to handle it. Maybe not even for how to handle it, but what to pursue in the first place. What is the goal of our life? I pray that as a church family, we will go to heaven tired. We'll spend all we have on, on, on bringing the gospel to, the, to people and to nurturing future generations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have eternity to rest. Eternity to, to take a break when we actually won't need energy. We'll just be praising the Lord, worshiping him as we were intended to do. But he's calling back to mind what he said in, in Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by, human, by, by philosophy and by empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. We're dead to earthly things, he goes on to say, right? Uh, this is uh, the picture of what we see in baptism, right? I buried, buried uh, with Christ by baptism into death and raised to walk in newness of life, which brings beside it the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That very same power is available to you and to me. We need to look to Christ to remind ourselves that this isn't our home, right? We have a home. We have an eternal home with Christ whom we treasure most. But if you're like me, you need help to treasure Christ. We sit in here this morning and we, we hear this word preached. We, we read this word of God and, and our hearts are stirred. We read it and we say, oh yes, that's good. Man, what a, what a wonderful word from the Lord. What a wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And yet if you're like me, you may be midweek and think, oh, I'm tired. I, was... I have a really busy day. I have a lot to get done. I don't have time to pray. I think it was Bill Hybels who wrote, too busy not to pray. We need to pray. And I'm saying that as one who needs to hear this exhortation for myself. Because I get distracted. I think I can handle the day. I think I can walk through life with my own wisdom. And you don't have to know me for long to realize how laughable that is. Because I need the Lord's wisdom. And so as we close here, I want to just highlight a few passages. Paul says in, in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is our hope, Christian. 
This is what we've been talking about during Advent when Christ, who is our life. Friends, Jesus is your life. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, the life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who who gave himself for me. Similarly, he said to the Philippians, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's when he's struggling with, you know, my life is, is being poured out and I cannot wait to get to heaven because I treasure Christ. I love Jesus. I love the Father. I love the the Spirit. I want to be there to worship Him. In fact, I'd rather just shed this body right now. Our uh, dear brother and friend, Phil Cummings, recently went to be with the Lord, we know. And he said repeatedly a refrain that I pray, whether it's in that age or... If I get sick while I'm younger, if I can still call myself that, that my refrain would be, I am ready to see Jesus. That's what Paul said. I can't wait to see Jesus. But I think God has work for me here, Paul said. I don't know what to do. I mean, I want to be with the Lord. I'm loosely paraphrasing here. I want to be with the Lord. But I know that according to what seems to be the will of God, it's more important that I be here now to serve you, to love you with the love of Christ, seeking things which are above, not things that are on the earth. So while I'm focused on the ministry of, of, of the earth, if you will, or on this earth or in relationships, I do so knowing that the moment the Lord sets me free from this mission, I will be with him in glory. I don't want anything else. I don't want anything else. So now bringing in the, the rest of the, the passage I was reading in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He says in 21 through 23, and you who were once alienated, hostile in mind. Can you remember when you were hostile in mind toward the Lord? It might have been more undercover than you think. Maybe not. Doing evil deeds. Well, it wasn't that bad. Sure it was. He's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. That'll help you treasure Christ. That'll help you seek to live as one who is increasingly holy Christ's. It's a lifelong work. 23, if indeed you can continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Brothers and sisters, we set our minds on things above in order to help stir the love and the affections that help us continue in the faith. Knowing that it's not our effort, but Christ who holds us and who sustains us and who carries us until the end. 
because he has purchased our completed salvation at Calvary. So as we think about treasuring Christ, we're reminded that it means living out my position. You might just think of practicing your position. If you've ever played a sport or something in that nature, you practice. Baseball, you take ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. Football, you run route after route after route. Basketball, I don't know what you do in basketball, but... (laughs) I'm just kidding, but... So we live out our position in Christ by intentionally shifting our focus from things of earth to things above, to Christ who fills us. Let me ask this question. In what way do you find yourself pursuing temporary earthly realities? Temporary uh, philosophies, things that may, may be deceptive, lies of the world that say, well, you need this in order to be happy. Or you need to accomplish these things in order to be valued, to make an impact on the world. Let's let's strive to make an impact in heaven. Forget the world. The world and its desires are passing away. Not the people of the world. Every soul on this planet we want to strive to bring the gospel to. Here in Shellsburg, Benton County, in Iowa, in the United States, and across the globe. That's our mission. We need the intentional reminders, which is why the Lord said, This is my blood, which was given for you. This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me until I come. Why? Well, we're short-sighted. We need the reminder. So as you eat this morning, as you drink this morning, take a moment to be sure you don't intentionally, I mean, uh, unintentionally just go through the motions. We want to do this, celebrate the Lord's Supper intentionally every week with an intentional focus on, on what God has purchased for us. So just take a moment, holding them in your hands, maybe with your eyes open even, looking at them. Parents, it's a great time to just whisper the gospel to your kids. Maybe they already know it, but help them tell it to you again. Maybe fill in some of the gaps along the way. It's a good time to to, to whisper and, and teach and talk because this is a teaching moment that Jesus has left his church with. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, You've given us uh, this word and this wonderful remembrance of what you have done for us in the Lord's Supper. It's been so good to sing your praise this morning. It's been so good to sit with your people this morning, to be encouraged, even just with smiles across the room. Lord, would you help us grow up as a people of God? wholly committed to you, but knowing that in that commitment, we are wholly dependent on you. Would you bring to mind areas where you have already helped us grow in godliness? And we also desire to know, Lord, how we can be more intentional to 
take our minds off of things of the earth and to set them on things above so that we can live to the praise of your glorious grace. The very reason you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We love you, Father. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.